It's time now for another edition of Roarman's Raging Softball Report. Everything Louisiana softball. Now, here's your host, loving Louisiana softball since 1981. It's the Roar Man. Hello, and welcome into another edition of my softball podcast. I am the Roar Man. I really do appreciate you tuning in. In this podcast, I go over the game against Houston. I have a lot to say about that game and the three-game series against Coastal Carolina. First, let me congratulate Carly Heath on being named the Sunbelt Conference Player of the Week for her performance in the App State Series. She hit four home runs over three games, and she now leads the team with 11 home runs. So congratulations to Carly. Great job. Houston came to town on Wednesday. They entered the contest having lost six of their last seven games, and they lost again as the Cajuns win 4-1. to one. The Cajuns' offense was sparked by a two-run homer by Sophie Piscus. Megan Shorman got the win in the circle, going five innings, giving up two hits and one earned run. And her performance is something I'd like to focus on. Looking at the box score, one would think it was a terrific performance. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it could have been better. I think she could have pitched a no-hitter, and here's why. Facing the third batter of the evening, Shorman threw two pitches that were almost in the other batter's box. Each pitch was five or more inches off the plate, and the umpire called both pitches strikes. The umpire strike zone was very generous as the plate had turned into a platter. You know, I sit right behind the plate and I have a clear straight on view of each pitch. And I told my friend Terrell that if she kept throwing that pitch, there was no way the Houston batters could hit it and she was going to throw a no hitter. It kind of reminded me of a game a couple of years ago. The Cajuns played against Oklahoma State in the UAB tournament. I was at that tournament, and once I saw the ump in that game call a pitch in the other batter's box a strike, I didn't think any team was going to score, and they almost didn't. For the Cajuns, Megan Kleist was in the circle. She pitched a one-hitter, and she lost one to nothing. Oklahoma State scored a run on a walk, an error, and two fielders' choices. The Cajuns only got two hits. In that game, the ump's strike zone was similar to the ump's strike zone against Houston. And both pitchers, uh, the pitcher again was Megan Kleist, and the pitcher for Oklahoma State was Eberly, I believe. They took advantage of the ump's strike zone. In Wednesday's game against Houston, Shorman at times did not. She could have thrown just about every pitch outside of the plate and the Houston batters would have either swung and fouled it off, swung and missed, or not swung and a strike would have been called. That's That's what happened in the Cajuns game against Oklahoma State two years ago. You know, Shorman could have lived off the outside pitch but she threw some over the middle of the plate. One was a rise ball that did not rise enough, and the batter hit a single to left field. And to the first batter in the fifth, Houston's home run leader, Becca Schulte, Shorman threw a fat pitch 
that was right over the middle of the plate, and Schulte hit it over the fence for her 13th home run of the year. The home run in that single would have never been hit if Shorman would not have challenged both batters with the ball down the middle of the plate. You know, sometimes, or most of the time, pitchers must take advantage of what the ump is giving them, and this ump was giving a lot. It was all advantage to the pitchers. The Cougars only scored one run. That's because they are Houston with the pitches that Shorman threw down the middle when it wasn't necessary. Teams like LSU, Alabama, Texas, Arkansas, and others would have scored more runs. I don't know if the pitches she threw down the middle of the plate were all mistakes. If they were, she threw a number of them. Mistakes that will cost her against stiffer competition. So I'm just reporting what I saw, and I know I'm being kind of picky. Uh, after all, she did throw a two-hitter. She was very, very, very good, but I really think she could have been better, and she will have to be better, as a matter of fact, almost perfect if the Cajuns hope to advance in a regional. Here's another thing that showed up in the game, something the Cajuns need to work on. And again, that is their bunting. Two bunt attempts were made. Neither were effective as one was fouled off and the other was popped out to the catcher. From what I have seen at this point in the season, the best bunter on the team is Falterman. She can put him down. Some of the other hitters have difficulty putting down a bunt. So my advice, work on it. Then there was a very scary moment. Maddie Hayden injured herself when running to first base. She looked to be in pain and was favoring either her knee or her ankle. It was announced later she has an ankle sprain and they are they are still not certain exactly how long she will be out. But looking on the bright side, an ankle sprain is much, much better than a knee issue. There's been a lot of discussion about putting an additional safety bag at first base to maybe help prevent injuries like the one Maddie suffered. It's happened a number of times in college softball, and I really do believe that is a great idea. I hope in the next couple of years that they do put in a safety base at first. The Cajuns followed up the Wednesday game against Houston with the final three-game series of the year at Lampson Park. They played against Coastal Carolina. The three-game series took place over Friday and Saturday, which was Senior Day. The seniors honored were Melissa Mayu, R.E. Quiones, and Reina O'Neill. Now, R.E. and Reina each have a year of eligibility remaining, and it remains to be seen if they will return next year. If they choose to move on from softball, best of luck to them. Friday night's game was almost... It was almost perfect for pitcher Kendra Lamb. She had a perfect game going into the seventh inning, but in the seventh inning, she gave up three hits. And I really have to give credit to the Coastal batters because they hit some really good pitches Kendra threw. The first two hits were by left-handed batters, and they both hit balls that were three or four inches off the plate. It wasn't like Kendra threw a fat pitch down the middle. Uh, throughout the game, Kendra's rise ball was working. She had a lot of spin on the ball, causing coastal hitters to pop it up. All total, 12 out of the 21 outs Kendra recorded were fly balls. 
I thought the coastal pitcher, number 99, Caitlin Beasley-Poco, was pretty good. She had a 52-mile-an-hour off-speed pitch that the Cajuns just could not hit. They did not hit it one time. She threw it at least 12 to 15 times for strikes. She also had a nice rise ball. Her downfall was she threw too many pitches over the middle of the plate, and when she did, the Cajun batters just hammered it. She gave up back-to-back -back triples to Sophie Piscus and Raina O'Neill, and home runs to Raina, Lainey Crader, and Stormy Kay as the Cajuns won six to nothing. Now, let me wrap up this game by saying that I was pleasantly surprised by the performance of Raina O'Neill at the plate. I mentioned she hit a triple and a home run. I really thought it might have taken her a few games to get back into the swing of things after being out for such a long time, but it didn't. She looked great, and I have said many times I think she has one of the prettiest swings in all of softball. On to Saturday for Senior Day in a double header. The three seniors, Melissa Mayu, Raina O'Neill, and R.E. Quinones, were honored before the game. One of those three will definitely not be back next year, and she is Melissa Mayu. All of her eligibility will have been used up, but that's not the case for the other two players. Believe it or not, Raina, even though this is her sixth year, she still has another year of eligibility. Um, she, was, she had a redshirt season when she transferred in from Texas Tech. She did not play for that year. She had the COVID season. And she had a medical redshirt season last year. And again, she has one more year of eligibility. Do I think she's coming back for a seventh year? No, I do not. I think she's going to hang up her cleats and just move on with life. If she does, best of luck to her. Kionez has a year left as well, but, you know, she's from California. Will she be back next year? I would say there's an 80% chance she will not. So now on to the game. The first inning was just about perfect for the three seniors. Quiones hit a base hit. Reyna hit a long sacrifice to center field, scoring a run. And then Melissa hit a three-run homer. I mean, what more could you ask for? Three seniors in the first inning all contribute to runs being scored. It was just a great way to start senior weekend. The Cajuns won the game 6-3. to three. But to be honest, they didn't really, to quote Tiger Woods, have their A game. A couple of fly balls were dropped in the outfield, and the Cajuns were out hit by Coastal, 8-6. to six. Megan Shorman got the win going uh, six innings, giving up one earned run and striking out nine. Kendra Lamb came in and pitched the final inning. It was not her best performance, and she gave up three hits and two runs, one earned, and one unearned. The Cajuns won the second game of the doubleheader by the score of 7-3. Their winning streak of consecutive Sunbelt Conference Series now stands at 72. That's an incredible number. Sam Landry got the start in the circle, and as has happened before, the first inning was not very kind to her. The first batter, uh, Micaiah Thomas, hit a home run, and... I'll tell you what, uh, Micaiah Thomas is an excellent player. She leads the team in batting average at over 400, and she's just an overall very, very good player. The third batter hit a home run as well. When the ball hit the bat, it sounded like a bomb had gone off, 
and the ball cleared the bleachers in left field. Both home runs were hit off of Landry's off-speed pitch. Coastal scored another run in the third to make the score three to nothing. The Cajuns came back in the bottom of the third and scored four runs to take the lead, a lead they would not relinquish. They scored the four runs on four singles, a double, a stolen base, and an error. The Cajuns could have scored more runs, but Stormy K was thrown out at home on a very close play. From my view, she was safe. I think the ump blew the call. Uh, the Cajuns went on to score single runs in the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth innings, one on a home run by Laney Cradour. So let me focus in on Landry's performance. Even though the first inning was a rough one for her, she was able to regroup and pitch the entire seven innings. What was impressive to me is she threw a handful of pitches that clocked in at 70 miles per hour. Throwing at that velocity, then throwing a 47-mile-per-hour off-speed pitch is just a killer combination. Being able to throw 70 at this point in the season proves the coaching staff has done an excellent job at keeping her arm and the other two pitchers' arms fresh. Sam just hit 100 innings pitched for the season. Lamb and Shorman are in the 90s in years past. Cajun pitchers were sometimes overused, and as the season wore on, their arms were dead. Ashley Brignac, Jordan Wallace, Christina Hamilton, Alex Stewart, and Summer Ellison all threw over 200 innings. One pitcher threw as many as 240 innings, and all of the three pitchers on this team are at about half that many innings thrown. So that's all I have for you today. The Cajuns travel to Monroe for a three-game series against the Warhawks on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Then it's on to Mobile for the conference tournament. This is the Roar Man saying thanks for tuning in. Please take the time to subscribe and tell a friend. See you at the ballpark, and go Cajuns!